Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the fall of 2010, a single kinder travels to the Twin Cities of Minnesota to answer the call of an elder of his clan. Join us as Marco Giovanni is pulled by family loyalty into a strange territory in which he is forced to strengthen his family's influence, yet at the same time avoid destroying himself with his own dark desires. Hello, and welcome to Twin Cities by Night Eidolon. Twin Cities by Night Eidolon is a Vampire the Masquerade duet story with Adam playing Marco Giovanni and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, where you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. What you're handing her are three hangers. One has this blue dress. You can't really tell, size it up, but it, it looks like it's sleeveless. It's not too low cut, but it's all navy blue. The second hanger has a slip on that she would wear underneath. And the third has a towel that is on this. This very like thick cotton towel. And she takes them from you. And she goes and nods towards the couch. And she's like, go, sit. I sit and I wait. I stare off in the distance to respect her privacy as she changes. And I wait for her to talk to me. You can hear her changing and kind of see how the peripheral, you're not looking, but she goes up to her desk and you can see she takes off this wet, uh, like silk robe and she kind of just drops on the floor, like steps out of it, you know, like, like takes off her shoulders and kind of like steps out of it. And you hear rustling and you can hear like the sound of her get drying off. And getting dressed you hear a sliding sound it sounds like she's opening the desk drawer and you can hear like her taking out like a set of like a pearls it sounds like you know like she's putting a set of pearls around her neck and she turns and she's like you can look now i turn and i face her and you see you see that she's wearing this dress it goes down to like her knees it's all one piece she, you see she has white pearls now around her neck you see her hair still kind of wet and short you know it's dry but it's kind of short and you see again that paleness. That it's almost like staring at a statue. She's barefoot now. You can see the wet towel and this wet silk robe that's sitting by the this desk, this ornate desk. Doesn't have a computer, doesn't have a phone or anything, just has a lamp on there. And then she goes and she sits in this single person chair that is kind of like you're sitting on the couch, there's a coffee table, and then there's this chair. You know, the, and the chair and the couch look to be same, made of the same style where they have velvet cushions, but it has wood, you know, that goes around it like a dark wood. You see her sit down, she stares at you, and you hear this loud, thunderous, booming voice come from her. Come to me! And you just all of a sudden hear the door on top open, and you hear these steps come down. And you see that lady that you, whose hand you had shaken. And what she is holding now, you see she's like holding on to this case, and like she has like a bag around her almost like those grocery bags that like people use you know like their own bags but then she, she you see she was also holding it looks almost like a like a tackle box in a weird way you know but it's like nicer and plastic and you see she goes and she sets the stuff down next to the chair and then you see she p- opens up the bag and you see she has like a brush you know and she see she has like this looks like a battery operated hair dryer she starts drying rita's hair and you see she's starting to apply makeup on Rita's face, but she's almost like 
at first you're like, oh, it's so weird. Why is she putting her on makeup? And then you start realizing she's trying to make her face and then slowly like her arms and her legs look not so stone-like, you know, like, and you see the the way that this lady's doing it. It takes like about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You're literally just sitting there watching as this goes on and Rita's staring at you like the whole time, which is like really imposed, not even blinking, you know, and you see this process is going on. And event- she's not saying anything to me at all. This no, is just happening. This is just happening. And so she's we're just- both just staring into each other's faces. I'm just sitting on the couch and I just have like a <laughs> non-expression. Yeah. And she's just staring into my face as this process is being done to her. And it's, we're just like, what do you feel? What are you feeling like at the moment though, while this is going on, are you feeling any emotions that you're trying to hide? He's feeling an intense sense of anticipation, but he feels like he has it choked down pretty well. Like he's, he's not outwardly projecting any of that. He's kind of just like, I think my, I think I have a straight face. I'm just going to. Let's see if you do have a straight face. Roll me a manipulation and subterfuge, please. Let's find out. Yeah. Let's say difficulty eight. Yeah. That's going to be a big botch. Oh, wait, there is a, there is one eight in there. Yeah. Right? So it's not, okay. So, so it's, it's not, just, a, just a regular say, fail. Just a regular. Yeah. Just a regular fail. So you're sitting there and you're trying to like hide your anticipation. But your leg starts moving just a little bit. And you see she's just staring at you. And then she looks down at your leg, your knee moving. And then she looks back up at you. Marco's thinking to himself, fuck, she knows. And you see she just sits there. And, and then the moment she like read that for me, she closes her eyes. And she lets the work be done. And then eventually this lady who you had talked to like gets her things. And she goes up, scrambles upstairs. And... Then you see Rita's eyes open up and you're almost kind of like taken aback a little bit because it's like, is this what she looked like when she was mortal? You know, like a little bit. I mean, the, the, the difference is almost like a white sheet of paper to like semi off. It still looks palish. They don't want to make it look like too obvious, you know, like that she has makeup on. Obviously, it's blended in, but it looks like maybe like a light, super light skinned Italian, you know, and she just looks at you and you see then she gets up and she walks towards the vanity where you took out the clothes and she opens it and you see she comes out with these blue heels on and she sits down and puts them on and then she sits back and she's like marco we meet again i'm very glad to see you rita your home is simply amazing thank you i'm sure as you're well aware at this point since the last time i saw you that where we lay was very important to each and one of us and after a while it becomes an extension of ourselves in a way a reminder of where we came from or who we are or who we once were or maybe even who we wish to be. Why do you think you are here, Marco? My family needs me. You've been taught the polite answer. Now tell me again, why do you think you are here, Marco? Marco is definitely appearing very confused. He's going to take a moment too long. What would you like me to say? Is that not the truth? A family does need you, I suppose. I need you, Marco. I need you. And he lets out a big sigh, like of of relief. Just like maybe he can kind of drop the bullshit around her. Maybe he's she's breaking the ice. And that's what that's what he feels like is going on. She's breaking the ice and he's growing more comfortable. She's breaking some of these barriers. She's taking down some of these walls of politeness that he's set up. Exactly. She gets up and she walks over to her desk. And you see she pulls out a drawer and she takes out this little like CD player, you know, like which just kind of stands out like compared to like the rest of this room. You know what I mean? And you see there's a moment where she's 
like trying to look at it. And she's like, Marco, come here. I stand up and I go to her. I like this thing. And she points to this little CD player on. It's like one of those alarm system CD players. Those really nice ones, you know, that like are flat and it's silver. And it has like on the top, you put the CD in, you know, like you pop it up or whatever. This plays music that I like. Play it for me. Make it work. I slowly walk up to the CD player and I just carefully put my finger over the play button. And I turn to face her as I press the play button, just looking for her reaction. And you see when she looks at you, give me a perception and uh, empathy roll difficulty seven. Do I take any like penalties for not having empathy or do I just, that just counts as zero dice? You can roll it for talents. I think you take a negative two for not having the skill and you can't do uh, knowledges. So. Uh, that's a fail. So you don't see anything. You just see her looking at you. And then once you hit play, this gentle male opera voice comes through the speakers and sounds rather good in this room. Like the acoustics of this room are rather good. And she's like, please take a seat again. And she motions to where you're sitting at before. And she goes and sits in the chair and is looking at you. I go and I, I sit down where she motioned for me to sit. And I'm just thinking to myself, even the music that she chooses is just completely impeccable. When you get to be of my age, you find that things that are new, the innovations of man become the burden of the elder. That thing that you did there, and she motions towards the player, that is the innovation of man. But to me, it's almost magical. It is a burden. I find that I cannot wrap my head around the concept of that reminding me of when I was like you before such things existed. There's a reason why the family grows, the family adapts, and the family adds on. That's because while we get older, yes, while we may get stronger, we also get weakened. I have pull. I have control. I have power. But do you think I could go and do what you do with your company? Do you think I could manage the technology, the quickness, the way things seem to go by at lightning speed? No, I cannot. How does it feel to be in the city, Marco? It makes me feel scared. This isn't my home. It's so different than Boston. I, there's less family here. You should feel scared because this is not my home either. She looks at you for a moment. And there's always these weird pauses, right? When you, you and her talk. Because what may feel like 30 minutes of eternity to you may be just a blink of an eye to her. And she's like, our family did not get strong into where we are at by sitting in one spot. You say Boston was your home. Do you think our family has always been in Boston? No, I, I know of our history. Yes. We are forerunners, you and I, and others. The thing is, Marco, and this is why I asked you why you came here, is there is a reason I'm here. I think this place where we are at will bring something to our family that we have long sought. Marco's eyes widen as he leans in closer. He's starting to let go of this intimidation, this fear. He's starting to feel Rita really wants me here. He's starting to assure himself and feel confident. Like I'm, a f I'm on the front lines right now for the family. Rita has even said herself that this city is not her home. So I'm not strange in this feeling. I feel kinship with her. When she said that 
I'm not here for the family. I'm here for her. I, I feel an acceptance. And I feel like Rita might be the only one that can help me further my personal goals, which are very much not even on the radar right now. Right now, Marco's thinking about just self-preservation right now and just trying to trying to skirt by and, and not upset like Rita or anything or not embarrass himself. But he's starting to get that fire. Rita has always inspired him. The time that he spent with her was just full of him being inspired by her. So much so that when there was that period in between him being in Venice with her and where he is now in Minnesota, he kind of just like built it up in his head about what seeing her again would actually be like. And he was hoping it wouldn't come out like that. He was hoping he wouldn't outwardly display that. But as, as we saw earlier with the roles, that is what, that is what he presented. And she, she's a sharp person and she caught on right away that he was uncomfortable. And by her calling him out and by her just talking to him in this real and honest way, he's starting to just listen to her intently. I'm not quite yet ready to show you exactly what I have been striving for, but I will tell you this, Marco. I have spent a long time in the city cultivating the influence that I have and the power that I have. And for the longest time, it went by with no challenge, but lately there has been friction in my plans that has been occurring. I think it all gravitates towards this prize that I seek. But like I said, I'm not quite ready to show you what exactly that is. But I will tell you this. This city is in control by the Camarilla. Give me uh, intelligence and occult difficulty six, please. Two successes. So you are aware of what the Camarilla is. You know that the Camarilla is a group of kindred, as they like to call themselves, who consist of seven clans for the most part. You know the seven clans and what they are. The, and you know that uh, Camarilla cities have what's called a prince who is in charge of the city. You are aware of the traditions of the Camarilla, like the rules to follow. You actually find that your family and the Camarilla have a lot in common. You know, like the common sense aspect of the masquerade and not like breaking the masquerade. You also know that your family has a lot of like connections with kindred in the Camarilla. And you do a lot of business with the kindred in the Camarilla. And so it's not strange to have Giovanni presence and in a city like that, a representative. And you know, the, the concept of the Primogen Council representatives from the seven different clans may not exactly be the elders of each clan, but a representative of like kind of like a governing body that is underneath the prince and you know, of the essential and all that. So she's like, I have built a relationship with the prince, with a lot of kindred in the city, but the prince whose name is Philip Brentwood, I have, along with the help, of those that I've proxied, established influence in here. Now, I'll be honest, Marco, when I say this, the power we wield is a lot more powerful than the vast majority of the kindred in the city that belong to this, the Camarilla. But as I said earlier, things have been turbulent lately. Pieces are starting to get thrown together. Moves are starting to be made quicker. Some of us go after the same goal, the same reward, I believe. Some I am aware of, some I am not. So I'm going to break down everything that is going on here. And this is what I need from you, Marco. You're going to be my lieutenant in all of this. For some of this, you'll be working on your own. You will not be with me at all times. You will make your own presence known, build your own influence here, be representative of the family. And soon I will show you the true goal that we are after. 
Do you think you are capable of that? Rita, I, I am proud to do this. I won't let you down. I'm so honored that you chose me in this task. And he's like getting maybe even just like too close to her, just appearing to be, he's coming off as too much right now. She'll take a moment and she'll look at you and she'll say, it is more than just doing it to make me proud. Those are things that children say to their parents. Do you understand that? Yes. I don't think you do. You're too young to understand that. Well, let me show you. What do you ask of me? Let me prove myself to you. Well, here's, Let me do something tonight. First, I'm going to take you. We have to make introduction to the prince tonight. This part of their tradition. I'm going to introduce you as a new representative of the clan here. You'll be accepted. That's already been arranged. But I want you to see who runs the city. And he's probably going to task you with something. Something I know you are capable of doing, but something I have been putting off, knowing that I could easily do it. You've got to see these are moves within moves. But underneath me, I have others who work in the city. I have Roman. You have met Roman before. You're aware of him, yes? Yes, I, I am aware of Roman. Roman, she stops for a moment, may have issue with you. Issue with me? Why? What have I done to him? It's not what you have done with him. It's how close in confidence you will be with me. He's been proxied to me for over a century. Imagine that. He is losing himself to his desires. And his desires have attracted attention. It has caused me some of that turmoil. I had heard rumors. It's not for me to judge. How would you like me to proceed around him? He is proxied. And you are family. I trust your judgment. But he does serve me. He does manage Dunsern Organic Consultants, which is one of the companies which gives us influence. You have to understand, we have been working with the leadership of the city before you were even embraced. What you did when you were mortal, working with the companies here, working with Brentwood Industries, that was saving the city from a hostile takeover of another group of kindred that called themselves Canites, called the Sabbat. Roll me up. All right, intelligence and occult. Again, difficulty six, please. Four. I somehow know... A little bit more about the Sabbat. <laughs> well, you happen to know a lot about the Sabbat because of New York City, the influence the Sabbat has in New York City, which I think in canon is Camarilla, but we're going to say it's, it's Sabbat and our canon, but you know of them. You know of the viciousness of them. You know, you know that your clan, or at least you think your clan, from what you know, rides that line between the Camarilla and the Sabbat, where you can just like, I mean, let me rephrase that, because there could even be kindred in the Camarilla like Roman. I mean, it's not like a good guy, bad guy thing, but you know of how the Sabbat gives into the bestial nature. They lose grips with the humane side of themselves. But you also know, though, for as violent and as savage as they are, they also have those in their clan that are influential and pull of influence, and especially of the Lazambra, who control, at one time, the Catholic Church, which has roots in your family. So you hear tales, you know, you, you've never interacted with them. I would just say, like, the way that Marco sees the Camarilla and the Sabbat, they just don't really understand. He sees it as all just family stuff. They just don't really see it that way, though. They're kind of just wrong. Like, they're more just concerned about, like, more petty things. He sees the Sabbat as people who just have fully given into that bestial nature and they've wrapped their agenda around that. And he sees the Camarilla as just kind of 
these other just like self-serving families that don't realize that they're families and stuff like that. And exactly. They're like distracted. This. Yeah. They have illusions about, about things. And he thinks that maybe Sabat doesn't have enough illusions about things to maintain any kind of order. And he obviously sees his point of view as the only right one in this situation, but he does understand that he's, kind of an outsider his family isn't the only thing that exists of course they're kind of just this outlier so he's just trying to think about how he's going to wade in this territory that is not his own people that don't see the world the way that he sees the world and how he's going to try to how he's going to need to try to fit into that for for Rita and to do what she's asked and he kind of takes offense at the idea that she sees him as childish. So he's just determined to just prove to her that he's loyal, that he can, he can handle what she, what she's asks of him. And that of course he understands the way that these other parts of our society operate and what their motivations are, or at least he thinks he does. She then continues on back. What happened in 1989 was at a company fronted by the Sabat called Madrid imports, tried to do a hostile takeover of a company that the prince of the city owns called Brentwood Industries. This takeover was prevented because of the assistance that we provided, that you provided, amongst others, included Roman. And for that, the prince has been in boon to us since that has happened. Also, in that relationship that I've built, it has drawn the jealousy of other clans of the Camarilla. And recently, someone, and I am not sure who, or parties, have tried to she stops for a second, thinks of her words, frame Roman for the final death of the member of the Toyodor clan. I want you to build that relationship back up. I want you to meet with the primogen of the Toyodor clan. Her name is Katrina Carrington. I want you to repair or even start a new relationship with our clan and her. Also, Roman has not been controlling those others that are underneath me. They're two Putinesca brothers who have gone on the run. I want them found. They are my gift to you to do as you see fit. And finally, I want you to build your own influence. I want you to carve out your own marking. And when I see that you have ready and you have done that, then I'll show you what my true intentions in the city are. But for now, we have an appointment to meet. I'm going to present you to the prince. He's going to ask you a favor, and you're going to do that favor. Do you have any questions? None. You have nothing to worry about. Your plan is already in motion. Let us meet the prince now. Do I look presentable? Yes, you do look presentable. And she just kind of like smirks a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yes, you do, Marco, as always. He turns to look in the mirror that she has in her haven, and he tries to push his curly hair backwards, trying to get it to stay into that slicked back look that he prefers. And he's just trying to tame it down. He adjusts his collar. He brushes his shoulders and tries to straighten himself up. And when you do that, you're looking in the mirror and you see over your shoulder, the face of your mother. And we'll end the session at that. So one thing I want to try to do with this that I didn't do with the other Twin Seas by Night stories. Well, I kind of did with negligence and homecoming, but it was done behind the scenes, but I want to do it here. I want to give out experience after the sessions, you know, where I kind of like save it normally. For each session, I just kind of want to go off that vibe that like the esoteric order of role players does with their duet sessions where they give out XP 
So I want to go ahead and, by the way, you have 10 XP that you didn't spend the last session or the creation session. So you get one point automatically for, for playing. Thank you for playing, by the way. One point, uh, let's see, let's ask about the learning curve. It says, ask the player what his character learned in the course of the night's events. If you agree with the answer, give the player one experience point. So what did you learn today, Marco learned today? So I think Marco learned that he is more valuable than he thinks he is. Uh, when he was coming into the city, he was kind of thinking, I'm a stranger in a strange land. I don't have any sway here. This is not Boston. All I have is Jamie. And if things turn south for me, like this could just be it right here. What if I can't even get it? You know what I mean? What if I can't even get away back? Like even just the the travel there is a dangerous thing and um he knows that people in his family uh are you know can plot and stuff like that because he he does the same thing like he he wants a cruel end for both of his uncles so you know maybe he's just uh getting pushed into like somebody else's plan to fill out his own like cruel end type of thing but i think that he learned that he was there because of his ability. He was there because Rita trusted him. He was there because she really did think that he was the best possible person to take care of the family's problem right now. And she trusted him with the information about Roman, told him about, you know, I have these two guys and they're my gift to you. And he doesn't even know. He's basically just been given this total control, like freedom to do it as he sees fit. So he's starting to think like, no, like I actually am hot shit. Like I'm not, I'm not some punk. I'm not some nobody like Marco Giovanni. And like, I'm here for a reason. Awesome. So I'm, uh, it says one point for role playing. It says the player carried out the role of their character. Well, not only entertainingly, but appropriately the player performed as a character should. And the circumstance truly inspired role playing might merit two experience points. I'm going to give you two experience points. And the reason I'm going to give you two is because I really like how you ran with that flashback scene. That was very impromptu, especially the laughing and like the, just like being over, like that I did not see happening. And I love that because that was very like Anne Rice. I felt like it was like Anne Rice vampire, like being around this elder vampire. And I felt like it was just really awesome. So I'm, you get two points for that. So you have a total of four experience points from the session. So good job. We're not going to talk about willpower because you didn't expend any willpower or anything like that. So you have a total of 14 experience points. Do you have any idea if you want to spend any of that now, or would you like to think about it between our sessions? I would like to uh, maybe at some point get a dot of linguistics. Maybe I know a little bit of Italian that I've picked up from being around the family or picked up just from the time I spent in Italy with Rita. Yeah. Not, not fluent yeah. by any means, but maybe just like a dot or I don't really know. So like, is a dot like you know it? I'm looking it up. Linguistics. Yeah. One, one dot is one extra language. So if you want to spend to get a dot, we can say that you have, uh, you can have Italian as one of your languages. Let's do it. All right. A new ability, three points. So you can buy one dot for three points, which brings you down to 11 XP. Is there anything else you want to spend your XP on or, or you can think about it. It's your call. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, save it because that's basically, um, I still have the 10 points I was saving in like one, yeah. one extra now. And like, I don't know, I might try to use it to uh, buy something impactful, like uh, maybe like another ritual or something at some point. So I don't know. We'll Hell see. yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, thank you again for everyone listening and tune in next time.
Chronicles of Darkness Ultimate Evil is a game set in 1987 in Bismarck, North Dakota, and deals with themes such as the satanic panic, but also childhood and the loss of innocence. I feel that's where Adam and I grew the chemistry that you probably hear now in Vampire the Masquerade Eidolon. Give it a try. <laughs>